You're listening to Business Extra coming from the Nationals newsroom in Abu Dhabi. I'm your host, Kelsey Warner. Today, I'm joined by Brendan Wallace, co-founder and managing partner of Fifth Wall, the world's largest venture capital firm in prop tech. The LA-based fund has limited partners all over the world, including right here in the UAE, with Aldar and Damak as investors. Fifth Wall had a massive 2022, closing its $866 million Fund 3, the biggest property startup investment fund ever, and it came on the heels of a half-billion-dollar climate fund it closed last July. This VC firm brings together some of the largest owners and operators of real estate globally, and so I'm excited to talk today about the future of real estate with a guy who's really at the table. Brendan, hi. Thank you for being here. Welcome to Abu Dhabi. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be back. So, yeah, welcome back. You are in the region. I guess let's take a step back. First, I want to talk to you about health tech, fintech, ag tech. We've heard of those buzzwords, but prop tech has not really gotten its moment in the sun, it seems. It's not really gotten a lot of airtime. How are you currently defining prop tech in 2023? So I actually think the way we're defining it in 2023 is the same way we've always defined it, which is it is technology, uh, largely information technology and software for the real estate construction and hospitality industry. And most people are kind of shocked to learn that real estate is the single largest industry in almost every developed economy. I actually think the Gulf states are probably one of the few exceptions to that. But in the United States, real estate is 13% of GDP. Right. It's the world's biggest asset class. World's largest asset class, largest lending category, largest store of consumer wealth, and yet one of the lowest spenders on IT, on software. Low spender in technology, because I wanted to get into this later, but we can get into it now. Real estate is sort of historic. I mean, it's a sentimental business. It's where we live. It's where we work. It's where we shop. It's where we vacation. It's everything all wrapped into one. It's the linchpin of the American dream. Am I being too romantic? No, I think that's exactly right. The way I conceptualize real estate is like real estate is how we use physical space, three-dimensional space to create the economy and all of civilization. That's real estate. All right. So given how sentimental and romantic that all is, it's it's a slow mover. We think of hard-to-abate industries like aviation, heavy industry, manufacturing as being, you know, tough to move the needle as we head into, you know, the path to net zero, 2050, climate change bearing down. But real estate really is, has a bunch of inherited flaws, inherited Yeah, I mean, it it basically is that we inherited all these assets, right? Most of the assets that we have to decarbonize, it's not like just buying a new Tesla, most of the assets we have to decarbonize are buildings that are already built. So are you nuts? Is this why? Why are you in this? Why are you in this business? This sounds like a very difficult asset class to change. It sounds like a difficult industry to sway. And yet, you've marshaled billions of dollars in investment capital to try to change it. I think because it's hard, that's kind of why it's a big opportunity and why I want to do it. And to unpack those numbers a bit more, real estate. I'll just talk about the U.S. numbers. Real estate is 13 percent of U.S. GDP but it's 40, 40% of U.S. CO2 emissions. So buildings and homes just operationally are 29% and construction's another 11. So it's twice the emissions of transportation, three times the emissions of agriculture. And you're absolutely right. It's this very hard to mitigate industry because you're dealing with old hardware, old buildings. Many of these buildings were built before we even knew what climate change was. So let's talk Aldar, let's talk to Mac, the local LPs you have here. What are they looking for from your fund? What sort of um, plays are strategic for them? So a number of things. And I would say the way we, probably just worth highlighting, we have 110 of these large real estate organizations globally from 15 different countries. CBRE, News Corp. CBRE, British Land, Hilton, MGM. 
And so the way we work with them is not dissimilar from how we work with, you know, U.S. or European companies, which is they're trying to identify technologies they can integrate into their portfolios that can be highly strategic to them and that can either save them money or grow their revenue. And that's everything from yield management, access control, smart building technology. It's also materials technology in and around decarbonizations, everything from like smart glass, carbon sequestering concrete, cross-laminated timber. I mean, it is a it is a pretty broad constellation of opportunities that every real estate owner is confronting right now. Mm -hmm. But I would say they break down in two main genres. The first, as you highlighted at the beginning, is prop tech, which is just software. That's a huge opportunity in itself. That $32 billion number I quoted, that's just prop tech. And that's just sitting in kind of facilities management, making sure energy efficiency is managed well, the sprinklers go on at the correct time, like that kind of thing? Basically. Um, I mean, the way to think about it is just doing software for the real estate industry. Mm -hmm. You know, Mark Andreessen has this famous quote, software is eating the world. And mm -hmm. it's really not yeah. that software is eating the real estate industry, but it's colliding with it. Yeah, that's a that's an invitation to talk about WeWork and whether or not that's an actual technology company. But we won't. We won't. Which we it's not. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, so Adam Newman was recently on stage in Miami talking about how um, how enticing he's finding Gulf Capital these days. Um, and I want to talk to you actually about why you are in the region and what what you see here. The Middle East represents the confluence of three things that are very important and strategic to our firm. One real estate capital markets. They truly understand real estate capital markets. The, the, the GCC and the entire MENA region has been some of the largest allocators to REITs in the US, REITs in Europe. They're huge in the real estate debt category. They're just enormous allocators of capital. And in so doing, they're therefore very influential with many of our 110 strategic LPs. So that's one thing. The second is that I don't think there's a part of the world that understands energy better than here. Right? These are largely economies that are built on energy. Now, we're going through an energy transition where the way we generate energy today, largely from fossil fuels, which has propelled most of the economies regionally, is shifting. But I actually think many of the, many of the governments and actually many of the companies that have derived a lot of their wealth from fossil fuels are very proactively and very ambitiously looking to transition that strategy. And I think you have to look no further than here in the UAE or in Saudi to see this. It is like a true mindset shift that is, I think, really compelling to watch. And we sit at the intersection of real estate and real estate capital markets and the energy transition. So it's, it is in some ways the perfect place for a firm like Fifth Wall to be. And looking ahead to COP28, which will be a historically large needle to thread for the UAE, which is hosting... But I want to talk to you about how you're evaluating tech ecosystems because you do have a massive amount of capital to deploy. And so what are you looking at? And when you go to kick the tires like a, in a place like Abu Dhabi, what are you looking for? And is Abu Dhabi capable of, you know, nurturing this type of startups that you are looking at? So today, uh, I'd say the answer is it, it's very small. Um, but I actually don't think it's a huge problem. I and mean, the reason is we in Europe did something very similar. We started off with a small office in Europe, out of London, uh, brought in some strategic LPs, British Land, the largest owner in the UK, Jacina, the largest owner in France. And two years later, we launched a European-focused fund with $160 million. Now, that's significantly smaller than our North American strategies. But what we did is we kind of like, in some ways, inserted ourselves into the ecosystem. And the thing we got lucky with is that a lot of other seed funds in the prop tech space mm -hmm. emerged in Europe. Here, I think you're going to need more of a spark. Meaning, and Abu Dhabi can be a stand-in for Dubai, Riyadh, Bahrain, exactly. 
all of the cities and it really in the region that are seeking to diversify away from oil, to create a knowledge-based economy, do all of these things. So what are you looking for from a tech ecosystem, a healthy tech ecosystem? I think one, you want to see an ecosystem of early seed funds that are to or accelerators mm-hmm. too that are just, you know, convening intellectual capital that are convening like brilliant entrepreneurs, bringing together capital at that really early nascent stage. Like without that, you can't create an ecosystem. Then you need the more institutional firms. This is kind of how I think of Fifth Wall is we're there to provide to, to provide that like propulsive capital to businesses when they, you know, first develop their product, when they're, you know, first scaling. And ideally, you can do that through the growth stage and even through to the IPO. But we're quite a ways away from that, I think, here regionally. Mm-hmm. So largely what we want to do is spur seed funds in the prop tech, construction tech, climate tech ecosystem. And I actually think we are interested in potentially identifying them and funding them ourselves because we want the ecosystem to emerge here. So today, I think uh, the region represents less than 4% of all prop tech funding globally. So it's very, very small. And if you look at... And that mirrors actually, I think, the larger VC story as well. Yeah, I think it's pretty consistent. But if you look at, you know, capital allocation to real estate, the region represents a much higher percentage of that. So I think that number is just frankly too low. So to get that number to change, I think you really have to fund that early stage ecosystem. Like we should be rooting for accelerators and seed funds to emerge here in the UAE, in Saudi, and throughout the region. There's a part of me that's relieved that the metaverse conversation has sort of fallen off the wayside and that we've moved on from AR and VR and that conversation to a more AI-centric conversation. Where are you at in thinking about AI? There's a techno-optimist in me that just wants to believe that absolutely, like, intelligence, you know, is the unlock to everything. Intelligence is why we're here. And so if we can render that artificially, what profound changes will that, you know, bring to the economy? With that said, I want to be a little bit cautious as well because because I'm an optimist around tech, like I thought VR was going to change everything like eight years ago. And I would say VR has changed absolutely nothing about my <laughs> life eight years later. So mm-hmm. I want to be careful not to jump the gun and say that, oh my gosh, we're all going to be working for AI bots and all of our jobs are going to be replaced by AI. I think some of those fears and some of those predictions, both optimistically and pessimistically, are being overblown because it's exciting to think about. And people were so impacted by movies like Terminator early on that it kind of provokes this almost visceral, anxious response. And it's, it's, a, it's very topical, but I think we should be cautiously optimistic about all the advances that we're seeing recently in AI. Do you change your strategy in 2023? I mean- Taking a step back, looking at the devaluation of startups last year, the new AI conversation, interest rates, this kind of like potpourri of factors going into this year, some of them kind of unexpected. How are you kicking the tires on startups that you're evaluating? So, I mean, AI's always been a thesis that yeah. we're focused on. I think the real estate industry is honestly a bit behind other industries. Like, we don't even know what's happening in buildings. So who cares if we have AI? Because there's no data. Yeah, it's tough to predict. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't have, have data, data, what does it matter if you have intelligence, right? So th- there's kind of more precedent fundamental questions that are in some ways just precursors to even having AI be relevant for the real estate industry. In terms of your, your the second part of your question, more around valuations, I mean, the world is a totally different place. Like we started Fifth Wall and grew Fifth Wall during one of the most buoyant capital markets for tech ever, it has inflected dramatically. Um, I think people lose track of the fact that 
also it can bounce very rapidly too, meaning in the same way it turned rapidly, a low interest rate environment, which is likely in our future at some point, will lead to the, a lot of these valuations going back to where they were. With that said, as a venture investor with you know, loss-making companies, you have to be very cognizant around those time horizons. So the way it impacts, for example, a growth stage business is far more immediate and obvious because you're thinking about an exit two to three years out versus, say, a company that's seed stage or series A stage where you're going to have five to 10 years and we're going to be in a totally different rate environment. I think you can safely assume in five to 10 years. So are companies having our startups that you're looking at and you do have an early stage focused fund, are they having to show revenue much quicker than previously? Uh, yes. The answer yeah. is yes. Uh, and I would say equally as much as showing it, they're talking about it and they are even more conscious. I mean, revenue has always been a key driver for you know early stage companies. Sure. I'd say the thing that tolerance has decreased for is loss making. So just, you know, loss making businesses is what venture is about. That is what we're in the business of doing. But the extent of it, the magnitude of it, the duration of it, there was just, you know, you saw it with like the funds like Tiger and SoftBank, like they would tolerate more or less cash flow negative businesses in perpetuity. That's out. Like that is a that is an approach that I would say entrepreneurs have reacted to pretty deftly. And you are seeing burn rates come down dramatically. Brendan Wallace, fun to talk to you. Thank you. You too. Thank you for having me. That's all for today. All that's left is to thank our production team and you for listening. See you next week.